college football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we have another year that started all the way back in 2010 of the College Ball Show. College football, you know, week zero counts, of course it does, but we all know this Thursday, it, that's like a marketing ploy. Now, don't get me wrong, I watch some of the games, but it's like a marketing, like, as a reminder, hey, College football starts before the pros, so heads up. This Thursday, though, we're tipping off. Well, tipping it off. Listen, I'm not even in. I'm in preseason still. Where the the whistle blows, okay? Um, and yeah, man, I'm just just happy to be back with another college ball show year. And as you know, we take college football all the way till January in the national championship. And it's called the College Ball Show because then we go to college basketball. But that's so far away. Our main focus now is on college football. And week one isn't like chock full of rank versus rank versus rank versus rank stuff, right? We do have high profile, biggest matchup, LSU, Florida State, a rematch from last year that actually had a pretty crazy ending. If I can remember correctly, Utah and Florida kind of interesting. The Gophers in Nebraska, Washington State, or I'm sorry, Washington, Boise State. Kind of interesting matchups that we will preview and predict. Um, will Cam Rising be playing on Thursday? It's probable. We don't know still. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we'll preview and predict. Of course, we finished the show with the crafty, crappy pick of the week, which the track record in recent years, you might just take it to the window because we've been damn good in that category. However, since we don't have a lot, yeah, it was week zero, but since we don't have a ton of recap, we will start with the elephant in the room, the Pac-12 demise. Utah, Colorado, ASU, Arizona, off to the Big 12 next year. Washington and Oregon off to the Big Ten. The Pac-4 remaining teams, ACC, Mountain West, AAC, among others. Those are the top three that it looks like, you know, that that they're, that they're aiming to. Um, and we'll just talk about it. You know, the Pac-12, really the, the suits, the powers that be, really dropped the ball in many ways. We'll kind of go over some of that. A lot of it had to do that with that Pac-12 network. And also, you know, not moving fast enough on a new deal, which they still don't have, and they're not going to get now. Um, and, and we'll just talk it through. Now, that obviously, you feel bad for some fan bases, like a Washington State, like an Oregon, you know. Obviously, Cal and Stanford. Stanford, this, this new age as far as the transfer portal does not really bode well as we know, for Stanford, because it's not like they can bring in 22 new guys to Stanford. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. We have some theories, uh, whether that means, you know, do we, do, are we going to get more conference games than nine? Will it be ten? Uh, we'll, we'll have some theories of what should happen now with rivalries that are 100 years old and, and all that good stuff. So we're going to talk it all the way through here on the College Ball Show but if this is your first time listening to this year College Ball Show, well, welcome first and foremost. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope-a-Dope. You can find it. 
you can download the show directly there. But you can find this year college ball under Ropadopa at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and a host of other uh, platforms. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to the Grueling Truth, Eastside Boxing, Phil Boxing and Sports 24. And one more thing, sign up for Direct TV Stream and save $30 plus add Direct TV Sports back and get the NFL Network, NFL Red Zone, SEC Network, and the Big Ten Network, and more. Stream with no strings, live sports, news, and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees, no satellite dish, no cable box. For a limited time, save $30 on Direct TV Stream with the packages starting at 74 So choose the Direct Excuse me. Choose the direct extreme uh, package that's right for you. Okay, that was the first read of the new ad there, so I apologize. That that was bad. Um, let's go ahead and in this long-winded intro, um, let's go ahead and bring in the co-host Marshall for another 2010. Marshall is when we started this podcast, my friend. And hey, we're uh, we're, we're doing something right. We we've, we've yet to get uh, blacklisted off of the podcast uh, plethora of America. So hey, we're we're back for another year, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. again college football. It I I'm, I'm honestly I wish we fast forward to next year because that's when we get like the um, the 18 playoff, which I'd foolishly thought was actually going to be this year. But hey, come on, more not eight, twelve or, team. Sorry, yeah, um, twelve team playoff. Which, oh yeah, because I was thinking of the eight plus the four. So, because yeah, we've always had the four. So, um, that'll be a lot of fun. But hey, this is a nice a appetizer up until the bigger year. But, um, college football is always fun. Like, it, it's, it's one of the few sports where every week something happens and you have those couple of weeks where like Chris and I will say, hey, like this week looks like a pretty regular week of games. And then five teams in the top 12 get beat and we're like, okay, this Monday show is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, you can't ever go wrong with this year, brother. I'm looking forward to um, round number uh, 13 with you. And I, I will say, I believe your golden Gophers who were the last college football team to ever win three titles in a row. Yes, sir. I, I, I think that record may be in jeopardy this year because if you look at Georgia's schedule, Man, oh man, and I'm not, I'm not a Kirby smart Tennessee guy. Tennessee and then the SEC championship—that's their two big games. Yeah, um, man, if uh, someone's going to have to really spark an upset to uh, make sure that Gopher record holds its own, because yeah, the, the, those are your boys, Chris. Those are your Minnesota Golden Gophers. But I heard Kirby Smart talking shit about that too. I heard him. I heard him. I heard him talking. He said, "Well, you know." That, that Minnesota team doesn't really relate to now. They don't really care about that team from the third. Okay, buddy. Okay. Sure. Why don't you play someone on your schedule? We got five. The go, Speaking of, you, you started something here. Speaking, speaking of, the Gophers have five ranked teams on their schedule. How many does Georgia have? Hmm. Interesting. Very much so. But, yeah, hey, All brother. Right, it's college football. Um, I, I was actually hope. Speaking of what you, how you kind of started the show, um, there were only uh, <clears throat> six games this past weekend, and one was USC. Which, if you've never listened to our podcast before, that is the team I support the most in college football. I, I grew up in North Dakota and Alaska, 
and never really had a college football team to support. So around the 0405 time when Reggie Bush and Matt Liner were good, I've I've chosen to fall in love with that team and been a fan since. But for the past ten years, I've had through one thick year, and thin. Through thick I would, and thin. Yeah, I've, I'll give you credit. There there haven't been many successful years since 0405. I'd say about one the last two about the past eleven years have been good. So, but those are my boys, and I was hoping to watch them this past weekend. <clears throat> but and why couldn't they, you? Why why couldn't cause, you? Because because they were on the Pac-12 network, which has been the network that no one ever quite got about how because you, you couldn't find it unless you've been a Dish network person for the past fifteen years. The Pac-12 network was one of those networks where it's like, dude, it's it's hard to watch your sport because obviously a lot of people in their lives had Directv when cable was a thing and Dish was not quite as popular and it was just it was hard to find a bar, it's hard to find a restaurants and not a lot of people had it. And, and what do you know, Chris, a, a a conference who struggled to maybe always show their best games to a live market of people are now struggling financially. It's just like, dude, I, I, like the USC game, like, all right, let's watch. Oh, no, Pac-12. All right, forget about it. Sorry, can't watch them. Uh, thankfully, they did win. There was not some choke of a game to start off the year. USC's 1-0, but I was able to see highlights on ESPN or check the scores app on my phone, and that's how that went for the first game of the year for my boys. Yeah, that's funny. I heard that he he had some funny uh, – he kind of worded him turning pro next year potentially a little funny uh, from the sounds of it. It kind of made it sound like almost Elway-ish where he's like, well, we'll see. He didn't say this, but it's almost like he wants to see who's going to have the number one pick. No, but he oh, said uh, he sure. said uh, he hasn't decided if he will enter. This is Peter uh, or yeah Pete Phelan or Thamlin. Um He said he hasn't decided if he'll enter the draft in 2024. Um, he said that's he said uh, Williams will likely be the number one pick, but maybe he wants to hold on to the leverage in case he doesn't want to go to a team that ends up picking the first next year. This is in his words. This is Pete's words, but. Caleb said, that's for sure now, oh, that's for sure now going to be an in-the-moment decision at the end of the year. So you never know. I mean, hey, maybe he comes back, uh, you know, for another year. I hope not because uh, because USC and the Gophers play here. Oh, no, hold on. No, they don't. No, they don't. First of all, we don't know anymore because they have to redo that schedule. So I take that back. I take that back. But now that I think about it, it was UCLA and then USC. I can't remember. Either way, they're going to have to redo the stuff now. But just on the surface, you know, with the Pac-12 demise, right? Um, it's something that we somewhat saw coming. If you look at where these teams went beyond, like, Stanford, they're basically where we thought they'd go. What's your thoughts overall, knowing that, the writing was on the wall, but, but, but what's your thoughts? Because it is hard not to feel bad for Oregon State in Washington State fans, you know. I agree. Um, obviously, the the a lot of the schools you just mentioned, USC, UCLA, um, Oregon State, Washington, like they've had longtime rivalries. Like it's it, it pretty much is up there with like the Minnesota Wisconsin or, or very close to where. If you have played a school in your conference or in your geographical area, which is now going to be mightily different, um, for over 100 times, like, that is a part of college life that you don't forget. Like, I went to college in North Dakota, and some of the coolest games I ever went to is when they played North Dakota State or, like, when North Dakota played the Gophers in hockey. And, like, part of – yeah, just part of college sports is – 
learning Yeah, we to... saw with the WCHA in that yeah. demise. That yeah, was yeah. rough. And now every time the Gophers play a team from Minnesota or North Dakota, a lot of times up until late, they were getting their ass kicked. Yeah, and that's why, like, obviously I know we're doing college football, but for college basketball, my whole life, like, it's Carolina Duke. Like, that has made me into the sports fan for the Tar Heels. And I remember when I watched Carolina Duke in the Final Four a couple years ago, my mom, like, flew down for that game just from Minnesota to Texas for me because, like, for my whole life, that's been a thing. And as more of these teams move around, you hope, and you actually talked about this before the show, that the rivalries will still exist because – even though teams are moving conferences and they're, they're, you got Pac-12 teams going to play teams that live on like the ACC coast of water. So things are all going to change. But hopefully we still do keep those traditions. And with that being said, in new times, we will also develop new ones too. Like there will be fun rivalries that will come from what we're going to form now and hopefully exist to make fun for college football. But again, so much of, yeah, just college football sports is to have rivalries and Clearly, with the Pac-12 having issues it did, now you have teams that are going to be looking for a new home. And how will that handle it? I don't know. And I actually heard an interesting point, which was the fact that from my uh, basketball coach I work with, and she was like, man, besides football, like this is going to be kind of hard for financially for other teams to get by. And when you look at all this news. For other sports. Yeah. Like when, like if you're like the golf team or the cross country team, or if you're like a, let's just say you're the cross country team for like Washington Huskies, and now you're traveling to go to places like you know um, Wake Forest or like Georgia Tech, or you know it's that that is such a financial cost that the cross country team at a, at Washington doesn't make the money football does. So this is a a football based deal because football is king. But you got to hope that man, hopefully everything just is done properly. Like a couple of years ago, I remember I was actually visiting my friend in Fargo and I saw the news about how USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. And that really kind of was the, the, the thing that broke the dam. And you obviously from For a the football well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of got the Big 12 rolling too. Um, but you hope that they just make smart choices the best they can because clearly the money is talking for college football and they have the TV revenue behind it. But there are tons of other athletes who are involved in this transition, and you just hope that the people make the best decisions they can, whether that is for rivalries to continue, for new schedules to be made, for how you're going to figure out traveling when half of your conference is on the Pacific Ocean and half your games are on the Atlantic Ocean. Like, there's so many new elements that I think hopefully you and I are doing the show, you know, 10 more years down the road. I'm like, damn, how have we adjusted as a college football conference? So, I'm excited. I think it's fun. I think we do have, along with the Pac-12, obviously transitioning out to other conferences. I, I think that it's cool to have bigger, stronger conferences. But, again, I just hope that they do stuff the right way. Because sometimes when you make decisions based off money, which obviously this is for football and TV contracts, sometimes you might miss details that will overall maybe hurt the sport in a negative way. I hope it doesn't happen. But, obviously, you just got to hope that the people who are in power – make the right calls, and that's not always the case for college sports. Yeah, and, and for instance, Cal and Stanford, right, um, they do, you know, the point has been made about literally future Olympians, you know, that go to these schools, Yeah, you know, and so you point taken there uh, to still be able to, one, compete at a high level 
whether it is the, you know, in the ACC or, or maybe it would be the Mountain West, whatever. Um, but yeah, the travel there, obviously it's already been talked about a little bit as far as Washington, Oregon, USC and UCLA. My guess is they're all going to play each other up here. You know what I mean? Just to, sure. to let, you know, dampen some of that down, but yeah, you're right. It, it, for the other sports, that's a huge change. Um, and you know, there is going to be additions, you know, the Pac-12, it's, it's crazy because the Big 12 compared to the Pac-12 and, and, and what they did when their top two, you know, Star Wars, their, their brand names, Oklahoma and Texas left, they didn't sit there and cry about it. They didn't, you know, they did. They also didn't overvalue themselves either. They knew, okay, we got to move quick. And now I'm hearing just for basketball, right, that Gonzaga and UConn, is going to join just for basketball. And, dude, the Big 12, in as we know, it's been the best conference for a couple years now, and it's always been a top-tier conference for college basketball. Sure. But holy shit, if they added UConn and Gonzaga, oh, my God. Like, I think people can't look at it from just one angle. They got to take the full cons, sure, but you got to look at the pros, the pros and cons. And tell me that wouldn't be ridiculous when they just added Cincinnati, who we know can produce pretty good basketball teams. We know Houston can of late and in the past. Um, I mean, that that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. But just looking at the Pac-12, like you said, with the you know having issues, you know they. If you look at the Big Ten uh, in Fox went in business for the Big Ten Network because, you know, the conference, they, they weren't doing a, a, a television network. It's, it takes a lot of work, you know, and, and a lot of know-how, and you're not going to be able to just uh, hire everybody at Fox or ESPN to come over and help you, you know what I mean? Just like the ACC and the SEC. They used ESPN as a partner to open up their um, individual leagues. Well, the Pac-12 didn't, you know, get help from anybody. They refused it. They did they wanted it all by themselves. And like I said, around 2010, 2011, there was a there was a few years where they were going to have the biggest contract in college sports. And between the Pac-12 network that, you know, that was major like you mentioned, and I had forgotten about this, Marshall, but they tried to have six different Pac-12 regional networks too. Not just uh, the plus, you know, like how you have the Big Ten, and if your game's not on the normal one, they'll get you an extra channel. Not just sure. that, you know. Not just that. That makes sense. This just doesn't. So they really, they just dropped the ball. And if you look at the Big 12, we could go back, since we're all over the place, if you look at when the Big East went down for football and basketball, right, and it, and it broke up. They said, all right, we are who we are. We're a basketball – we're known as a basketball um, league, so we're going to do our best. And look at what they've done with that league. It's a great league. It's one of the best leagues out there. It's produced national championships. Um, and so I really – we sent this last year to close, but I love that the Big 12, you know, ha- they got their deal done before the Pac-12. They added the teams like Utah, Arizona. Arizona um, in basketball is a big one. ASU is pretty good in basketball. They've proven that they can beat. It's just been a long time. They, If they got a, a, 
a top level coach, they might be able to do something, um, you know, in, 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 in football. Utah's a proven now for quite some time in football. They have a, a history of basketball. We'll see if that picks up. And then Colorado has a lot of history, but, you know, in recent years, they had that 10 win season and that's about it. It's been pretty down, but they do have Dion. So I like what they did. They got their deal done. And meanwhile, the Pac 12, I mean, this comes from Brett McMurphy, right? So last October, ESPN offered the Pac-12 $30 million per school. But a Pac-12 president worked with a professor at his on campus, and together they estimated the school market value at $50 million a year. That's what they said. So they said, nah, ESPN, we don't want your deal. Then, uh, in recent months, Apple TV came along, and they said, we'll give you $23 million per school, which, which can hit with subscriber goals, um, to $31 million. They just They couldn't close that one. That was going to be all streaming, no linear, though. So I'm not I – don't, I don't know. I mean, hey, you had to take what you had to take to keep your, you know, stuff together, but um, – you know, to not add Boise State. And, you know, there are certain things that they could have done in recent years, um, and, and they dropped the ball. The suits dropped the ball. It is pretty crazy, though. And like you said, okay, some rivalries are going to die. But I'd say for, like, Oregon State, Washington State, and a lot of these rivals, they do need my, – my theory is – we're at nine games, conference games right now. My guess is in the big conferences, it might even be ten. That way you'll have two non-conferences. It'll probably be a rollover and then a decent matchup. Well, in that decent matchup, you know, maybe that's where the rivalry stuff comes into play, Marshall, because I think that's a key, key moment where, you know, that's like the next thing that's what I think that has to be a priority in, in, in college football because – you got to keep these, and if you just, and then you have your non-conference tough matchup out of the way. You can just schedule it from here on out because you look at Washington, Washington State, 114 times those teams have played. Washington, Oregon, 114. They could still keep that going, obviously, but you look at like Utah and Utah State. They're not in the same conference. They played 112 times. You have Washington, Oregon State. Um, 107 times. So, you know, and it's definitely doable. And this is something we talked about, Marshall, before we got on, was there. So it was 104 times Pittsburgh and West Virginia had played. Now it's 105. That backyard brawl is proof that you can get those rivalries going when it seems like they're done. Was there any, was there any like, ah, this, it's just not the same going on last year? It didn't feel that way. No, and let's be realistic too, Chris. Like, you still want your your fan base to give a shit. Like, yes, you do have alumni for, like, bigger schools, like, obviously, like, USC, UCLA, or, hell, anyone in the Pac-12. All those universities are obviously big enough to have fans who will travel. But for, like, the regular Joe, like, people like us, like, you still want your school to play teams that mean something to you. Like, if I'm a Washington State fan why would I give a shit or want to fly across the country to go see my team play NC State? Like, what 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 appeal is that? So I think just from like a strict college standpoint, you as a, as a a team 
still owe it to your fans to play schools who like you care about. Like again, what 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 draw will there be? Or you, let's say you're let's say Washington State's hosting the game. Okay, Washington State's playing Virginia. What is the draw to go to that as compared to when it used to be Washington State playing USC or uh, or Colorado or Arizona? At least the school you like geographically have know and have played. So I do think they just owe it to college fans in general to not let all those things go and die away. Like as much as we're moving around for the football money and I get TV and money and they all talk like you still like there's still just part of it that would just seem so awkward if you, as you said, quit playing school. So you've played for a hundred years. And I said, I just hope the people who are in the higher power positions still make it to where, you know, you can enjoy it. Now, obviously college football and college sport fans are crazy and you're always going to go support your team. But I do think there will just be, Kind of like, huh, who are we playing? And and you say this now because let's just say, hypothetically, let's say, Chris, that if it was going to be, let's say the SEC did split up, okay? Imagine, like, how weird it would be to see Bama play a football season and not play, like, LSU or Auburn. They'd be like, okay, Bama fans would be pit. Like, every fan base in this country has one or two schools they hate or love to play against because it's how college sports work. And if you're a fan of your – Missouri, Miami, Oklahoma, name your school. You got that one or two every year on your list. Where you're like, dude, all right, I'm taking that weekend off. Like that is my weekend to watch my team and hopefully they kick the rival's ass. Like every school has that. And if you get rid of that due to moving people around, you're, you're just losing part of the heart and part of the reason why fans are fans. Yeah, exactly. And let's, I, I've said this multiple times over the years. Um, this whole, purist thing oh college football is not what it used to be this well what did it used to be what did it really used to be before the bcs we think it was very rare that we got one and two against each other it was one against four and two against seven whatever conference shit lined up for the bowl games that's what it was we had split goddamn how many split or arguments for a split national championship do we have that's fucking acid night. It's like, what are you stupid? You know, like, so let's let's like I said. Now that like, what my theory is that they will go to ten games here soon. Uh, you know, I'm not saying next year. I just think if we look five, ten years from now, my guess is the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, and the SEC. Um, there'll be ten games instead of nine conference games. That's just my opinion, right? Um, which means less walkovers. You probably have one walkover yeah. and one good team. Now, I do think September will be affected as far as non-conference matchups, big time, high profile. I I think that is true. So that's a that's a that's a con. But the pro is we ne- it's never been more fair to crown a champion. You have twelve fucking teams next year, so that's actually where the big non-conference stuff will happen, and it won't be some fluffed up AP poll, coaches poll, it'll be a full season in a top 12. So it'll be ranked versus ranked, and it will be what, you know, you'll you'll have proven to be in these non-conference matchups. So I think that's key. And much like you said, doing it, doing the right thing, let's hope they stick to the first round will be at the home, the, the five, six, seven, eight seed, right? So once again, it plays to your fan base. You can have one home game, 
and then the playoffs start as far as uh, travel. You know what I mean? The, and those like, will be those will be some of the coolest sport games I've ever seen in my whole life. Like everyone loves March Madness. Like that next year when we have like the the first round of college football playoff games at like a home arena, that to me is just gonna be one of the coolest events we ever get to see as, as like a sports country. Like that's there's just the environments for those places are gonna be so intense. Like that just me as a sports fan, Chris, that excites me just because we've never seen something like that. And obviously you can probably have different opinions on this, but at least in America, because soccer is its own different beast across the seas. Right. Nothing really matches a fan base for a college football game. You can maybe argue college basketball, but like that's just going to be a, a sporting environment that will be extraordinary, and that should be a lot of fun to look forward to. And first and second rounders, and even third rounders, they're going to want to play in those. Games. Yeah, they're yeah, that's oh, that's going to be a blast. And so we got that's a pro. It's a con and a pro that you got to sure. go over the pros and you got over the cons, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, I, I do think overall, um, and it's easy saying that being a Gopher fan because I know I never had a shot to win a championship since 1960 before I was alive. So this isn't hurting me, you know. I'm not like, oh my god, how could you? Ch-? We're not going to win the damn championship. What are you crazy? No, I love Fleck, but we're not winning the chip. So, I guess the the only I think question bigger I, matchups Oregon Washington USC UCLA that just imagine what the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big Twelve but especially those two big conferences week in and week out you want your high profile matchup there you go go ahead I guess the only hypothetical I have to wrap this up and this is something just kind of hit me so I, I'm not I'm not surprising this just kind of went to my mind I, I've been oh here we go again. Asking. If you've listened to the show, we literally talked about this before we got on. He'll ask some rare questions. Okay. Um, so as we have seen teams leave conferences and join the bigger ones, do we think there's going to come a point where eventually these conferences are going to just keep adding and adding? Or do you think we're going to, after the next couple of years, like the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have to just make it maybe stop for a second? Like, Will we continue to see like the mid majors dissolve and add to the bigger ones, or will there be kind of a limit like this? I'm not debating this, but I, I do think there's got to be some point where if you continue to add like the SEC or the Big Ten, that can maybe water it down. So I, I will be curious to see as time does go on of like okay, like USC and UCLA, those are great additions, but like would the Big Ten ever want to add like a University of Ohio or like, you know, um, like uh, Cleveland State from like, you know, I wonder if there'll be a time where it's like, hey, like we we're adding, but let's still try to keep the conference, you know, with some pride. Are we going to are we going to see the more like the the jumble conferences? What what do you think about that? Because I think there's got to be at some point where TV contracts and teams join like you got to have some cutoff, right? I mean, that's been the big scare for all these years. We're going to have a super conference. 25 to, we've actually had this conversation. 25 to 30, 35 teams. That's all nonsense because you have to pay these fucking teams. Sure. Yeah. What are you going to now all of a sudden? Hey, you know, we told you it was going to be 50 million when you got in here. It's actually going to be 22 now. Sorry. We got to go. We got to expand to 41. Hell no. If you want to talk Notre Dame and Miami or something, cap it off at 20. I could see that because then you'd have Notre Dame brand name, right? And then you have Miami. Well, that's the biggest city in the South. Sure. Besides Houston and uh, uh, Atlanta. So, yeah, okay. It, that would that would do it because then you have the East Coast, West Coast. 
Midwest obviously unlocked, and then you go all the way down to the bottom of the map. I mean, that would be crazy for the Big Ten, but there is no way that the Bison are gonna <laughs> join the Big Ten. It's just no way. No, yeah, it makes it never made sense. It won't make sense. It just doesn't line up with any. Now, could there be a super like a a group of five where they say, you know what, this is our best way to get a deal. We're gonna we're gonna line up and get twenty eight teams and just go for it. Okay, maybe maybe that would happen, but not not the SEC or the Big Twelve. Or, no, hell no, because you got to pay them. It just now, I guess you could say you're gonna make more money here if we pay you a discounted price. Okay, maybe, but I, it just like you said, it makes no, it just it doesn't make sense. And then how are you gonna schedule all that? Like it just it yep. doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I think that's always been. Uh, like a wannabe purist thing. These are the the SEC and the Big 12, Big Ten is a super conference already. It doesn't need to expand to ten or fifteen more. Fair, yeah, that's true. Another thing, real quick: six football. Speaking of tradition, Marshall, six football college football stadiums turn a hundred this year in two thousand twenty-three. California Memorial Stadium in Cal. Um, Gaylord slash Oklahoma Memorial Stadium in Oklahoma, the Memorial Coliseum in LA, USC, Illinois Memorial Stadium, Nebraska Memorial Stadium, and Spartan Stadium, Michigan State. Six stadiums that have been around for a hundred freaking years, Marshall. Yeah, mean, that's, again, that's, that's why. That's why you got to keep your rivals. Like there's there's just so many memories of those places. So hopefully, again, hopefully the schedule makers do their part because. That, damn, that's crazy. I can't believe it. Yeah, it is. That that's is awesome. Um, and I think there's like 13 stadiums that are like 90,000 and above, which is more than the, the, the pros. Now, a rule change for the first time, Marshall, since 1967, the clock will continue to run in college football, as it does in the NFL. When a team makes a first down on a play that ends in bounce, Rather than stopping until the chains are set, the referee signals ready for the play. They're not gonna they're not gonna pause all day. They're going to set the ball and move along. And to be honest with you, the college football, you know, it does go longer than the pros. Sure. And it'll help. Obviously the the the, the system in overtime has something to do with that, obviously. But um but yeah. Um Let's just start getting into some of this stuff, huh? Should we start getting into Thursday night, my friend? Or you got any other uh, things that you want to no, talk about? No, I, I think we've hit on all the, the moving around, and that will continue to change over the years. But, yeah, we're, we're good. And like I said, we had six games last week. Uh, nothing crazy or absurd occurred. So, yeah, let's let's get into it, my friend. I did watch um, the, the whole Louisiana Tech-Florida National game. With uh, La Tech winning that, and I did watch a good sh- the sec. I actually like maybe some of the second quarter, but the whole second half of San Diego State and Ohio. I did see that. Um, I saw like a little bit of the clips of the whole uh, Hawaii Vanderbilt. But the biggest news beyond the the returning Heisman candidate was Sam Hartman. Uh, you know, they beat Navy, no big deal there, 42-3, to but um, he goes out and throws four touchdowns, and it will be interesting to see Hartman 
on a more traditional, you know, pretty top level, been to a championship um, more than once and, and had undefeated seasons in the last decade. So it will be rather than being where was he, Wake Forest, right? So, yeah. Um, that that's that's kind of interesting to me. I, I I think that's pretty interesting. But let's start with the matchup: Florida at Utah, number fourteenth ranked in these you know fake rankings right now, uh, not real rankings. Um, we'll start it out according to ESPN analytics: seventy three point six. Uh, Utah is in favor, obviously. Uh, is Cam Rising playing? Like I said, I don't know. It says probable. Uh, it's in between on that. Obviously, the Gators have a new quarterback. We know him up north here. Um, is it just going to be a, a tougher league in the same old Mertz? Um, what are your thoughts going in on this one? Because last year it did come all the way down to the wire. And if I remember correctly, they, they went for it at the end of the game, right? Um, and Utah ended up falling up short in this game, correct? Yeah, this one was uh, kind of like the Anthony Richardson. Well, it was kind of coming out party. Like, he showed that he was good on his feet, but the arm was still, you know, a little bit tough. But I just think, man, just every year, and we pretty much on this podcast, Utah's been one of the best teams in the country almost every single freaking year. And obviously, yeah, the last year they lost 29-26. So it was – and that was at Florida. So obviously you have the advantage in college football of hosting the home team. Um, <clears throat> I think this should be one of the best games of the first month of college football. Um, I think that, again, Utah is probably one of the best-ran programs in the country that no one knows about because they are on the West Coast. And it's not like a huge <clears throat> um, marketing gold mine, but – if you look at what Winningham has done as a head coach there, Chris, like if, if let's just say hypothetically Utah was to shut down football when they move, like this dude could probably go and do it anywhere. Because if you, if you have ran one of the best 15 programs in the country for the last decade, in my opinion, and you've done it like out of Salt Lake city, like what could this man do? So I think it's intriguing game from the standpoint of Utah's a solid team, as I've just recapped. And Florida obviously has been trying to, get better and better each year. They kind of had their struggle with coaches there for a little bit and some back and forth, and they always kind of seem to switch a quarterback almost every two years, and maybe not three or four for college football. But on paper, um, this is one of the better matchups of the weekend. Obviously, a Thursday night is kind of a standalone game. The NFL with Mahomes and the Lions will be next Thursday. Um, but I think this is just a fun, intriguing matchup. It obviously is hard to predict a winner because we're not sure about a quarterback status and new quarterback for the Gators, but on paper, this matchup looks fun, and again, if I'd lean away, I'd just lean towards Utah just because they almost never lose at home. You know, they're going to have a, a jam stadium. Uh, they're going to run the ball. They're going to beat you up in the mouth, and they showed last year they're not afraid, afraid to go and play Florida, and Florida's now got to travel to their turf. So this should be a really fun week one matchup, my friend. Well, first of all, Florida has the stud Wisconsin quarterback, and he's supposed to start uh, Mertz. So, you know. Um, I'm not too afraid of that guy. Um, but yeah, he he yeah, he, I, he needs to prove himself. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, he's still living out that five touchdowns. Remember the first game, five touchdowns. Yes. And then he got drunk. Uh, it never was the same. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not, but you know, whatever. Um, 
So six and a half. I feel like – I don't know about the six and a half if they'll beat them. You know, I, I might take uh, – like if it jumps to seven or seven and a half, I might go on Florida on that one. The over-under, 45 and a half. That's a good number there. I, uh, I don't know about that one because people – you know, sometimes you come out rusty. Sometimes, you know, you one side of the ball isn't as good. But if Cam Rising is playing, then I think it actually uh, – I'll take the over. Uh, but if he's not, I'm definitely going under. But it's got a chance to go under. But I'm picking Utah at home, like you said. They, they do have uh, – you know that they'll have some some uh, get back from last year as well. So I, I do think Utah will hold on the win. Utah, their problem is dropping that one game they shouldn't because they they've been close to eleven one season multiple times. True. You know what I mean? Their only <laughs> downfall, and maybe that's overall talent, right? As yes, I would as- say so. So maybe that's part of it. That there's always that one game that makes them ten and two. You know, you're like, oh, dude, you could be in the, you know, the the. I mean, the, you know, top twelve would be different soon enough. But I'm down with uh, Utah on that. But like I said, if it jumps to seven or seven and a half, I'm interested in that quarterback that they had last year. You know, he ran a lot too. So you, you wonder if they're gonna, you know, be able to run the ball against Utah, who's always known to be a run, you know, stop the run and run themselves. So the other game that kind of stands out that night is a conference game, Nebraska with a brand-new head coach, uh, Rule, Matt Rule, um, on the road. And that's held pretty well at 7, minus 7 in favor of the Gophers. Did I mention the Gophers have a tougher schedule on paper than the Georgia Bulldogs? Um that's interesting. Anyway, how do you like this? It is a, it's already sold out, my friend. It's already sold out here in uh, Dinky Town, myself, Minneapolis. Um, I guess I I hope the Gophers get a W for you because obviously they do have a tough schedule this whole year. Um, obviously for a fan base, it is fun to start the year off with a a conference matchup. Um, clearly Nebraska. <coughs> They never really got figured out with Scott Frost. He, he was there for five or six years. They never quite figured out. Like, that. that's a program that you, you want to say the glory days, but those glory days for Nebraska was, like, when I was, like, a young kid. It was, like, Tommy Frazier, Lawrence Phillips. Like, and after Osborne. Remember, 10-2 and, and, and 9-3 and wasn't good enough for the, that one coach. Remember? It wasn't oh, good yeah, enough yeah, for them. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, the, the, yeah, the fan base wanted more. And, and sometimes jealousy can be a bad thing. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think from on paper, because uh, that's what we can go off, is I know that your gopher squad lost a lot of talent, but I trust Vegas, and Vegas has you as a seven-point favorite for a, a, a team who's been more successful the last few seasons in Nebraska, and you're at home, and it is week one. I, I like that direction for your boys. Um, and obviously for Rule in Nebraska, obviously he's got a lot of work to do. Again, their their fan base might have unrealistic expectations, but they need something to be more productive again. And yeah, I just I, I like your go for chance to win week one and they they have a coach who who is a very polarizing person, but many think is a good coach who's had the program going for the best they've been in a long time. So 
I think the match like I did for Utah, I'll pick a team who's just been more successfully Consistent. more successful of late than a coach who's new or your coach on the floor. I just think the Florida coach is not as good as Winham. So yeah, I'll take your Gophers to win. And I, I, if I was to bet, I'd probably bet down to six and a half, maybe by half point, because a seven point spread is so tricky that hey, your team wins yeah. by a late touchdown, then you push. So buying a half point sometimes is worth it for the spread standpoint. Very true. That's a good point. Um, so, you know, we did lose some talent. Um, but you know, they, they had 25, uh, players leave, <laughs> you know what I mean? And transfer out. So they Jesus. lost some talent too. Yes. Uh, now they're breaking in. Uh, well, I shouldn't say breaking in. No. Nebraska's breaking in a new system, breaking in new, you know, everything, right? As we know, he did a really good job of coordinators and everything like that. And I believe that he will uh, get them to a bowl, maybe not this year, but in the I do think it'll improve under him. What he did at Baylor, because let's not forget what he, he inherited at Baylor, you know what I mean? Uh wasn't great. Uh, it it, it kind of went up, and then it went way down again, you know, after what's his tells. Uh, the mastermind, the old guy there. So – um, I think it was a great hire. I just, I, now you could say, well, we don't know what they're going to run. We know defensively what they pretty much run, but we don't know exactly how they're going to do it. That is true, but you'd rather have them not clicking than in maybe seven weeks. They'll be better as a unit. I, I don't know. The arguments are on both sides. Now the Gophers have a quarterback that got a lot of playing time last year, okay? And he showed signs in every game, whether it was a, you know, a decent first half on the road in a whiteout at Penn State, um, whether it was a comeback victory actually over Nebraska because they were down 10 zip last year. And I noticed that I think it's been like five straight years or four straight years of one now, the Gophers have won every game, but it's like one-score games, you know. But I guess you could say Nebraska was the king of one-score games in college football, right, especially the last two years, uh, kind of like the Vikes and, you know, and the pros. But that quarterback, as the, you know, as the year went on in, in really that wash or that not Washington, but Wisconsin game where he put up 300 yards and he delivered when we needed to. He can, he's got a better arm than the previous Morgan, and he can move. He can move. I'm not saying he's Michael Vick, but he can move, too. We can actually do the run-pass option. It is in the playbook now. Um, so I do like my Gophers. I I don't know. I do think it'll be a close game, though. I really do. Um, the defense has been solid for quite some time um, with Rossi, uh, the, the defense coordinator, in flex time anyway. Uh, the only biggest, The biggest thing is last year they didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback. They have a lot of young defensive ends that should be able to develop, and hopefully they, they make a, you know, a, a dent in it. But, yeah, I'm going to go uh, Minnesota as well. Side note, though, I do have – I got it for plus 280 or something or plus 260. I can't remember. I'll check. But I, I did pick Nebraska just in case um, because, hey, I'll take that money or my Gophers win. Um, all right, LSU – in Florida State, this one came down to what, like a mixed extra point last year or something like that? Crazy, crazy game. Uh, you know, on the Sunday night, it is the primetime game. 
number five in this poll right now, number five LSU, number eight Florida State. Florida State not only has their quarterback coming back, but they finally have a resemblance of an offensive line, which has been their biggest thing. Their defense, they got a lot of people coming back from a pretty successful season last year. What says you? Because you know LSU, they got better as the season went on. And by season's end, when they beat Bama, you know, they beat Bama, uh, they did slip up the next week, but they look, they're returning their quarterback as well. And, uh, they look on the up and up too. They're looking like the legit, uh, program that they once were not long ago when they set records offensively in 2019. What says you on this one? Oh, man. Well, if we're talking about coaches who I have more faith in more, which I've done for the first two picks, I'm definitely not the biggest Brian Kelly guy. Um, I guess they had like a big team brawl, but shit, teams fight in practice. I guess, hell, NFL teams have been fighting like crazy in the preseason. So I don't think that's the biggest thing in the world. I, I still wish Coach O would come back, but moving on. Um, I do think well, he's gotta, these, he should have stayed in the car at the gas station. He'd yeah, be there. Yeah, a Cajun man's going to be a Cajun man. You know, sometimes words get misconstrued. Uh, I I do think both these teams might be a little bit of that typical like college football. Look at the name on the helmet. Oh, let's put them high. Like, are they really the fifth and eighth best-ranked teams in the country? I guess we'll see. But last year, the way that game played out, there was, like, it was almost, like, 20 mistakes made of, like, combined by both teams. They're like, dude, like, this is not you college football. Game. No, I won. Yeah. No, you take it. They just kept trying to lose it. Yeah, there were just so many mental lapses, which is why betting college football week one is so scary. Like, in the NFL, when that starts next week, like, Yes, NFLs have blunders too, but for the most part, like the better teams are going to win, and like hiccups happen, but not as bad. In college football, and the turnover sometimes too. Oh, you just see shit happen in week one, or even like the first two or three weeks of college football. You're like, dude, these are players shaking off throws because you don't get preseason college football games like you in the NFL. So you might make the best pick in the world, but it ain't gonna necessarily go your way. Um, I will side with LSU just because Florida State got them last year in a coin flip game, and I do think that LSU obviously finished the year a bit hotter. Uh, but this one, again, along with Florida and Utah, should be another very fun game to enjoy. Um, I see LSU as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That is Vegas's way of saying, hey, this should be a great football game. We're going to give LSU the favorite, maybe due to how they finished, maybe due to the recruits they brought in. Who knows? But do they're, research play- on the kickers. Yeah, and they're playing in Orlando, Orlando, Florida. So I think probably the old home of Tom Brady. Uh, no, Orlando, no, shit, that's not even Tampa. I don't know where Orlando's field is, but nonetheless, I don't know what you're talking. Um, so I'll, I'll take LSU. I, I'm, I guess I'm more of an LSU guy than Florida State guy. I just, I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. But again, if, if Vegas has the two and a half point spread, and you both these teams are trending upwards, um, maybe this is the year Mike Norvell's going to want to have Florida State. Remember. His first couple of years there, he was getting a lot of shit because, you know, they, that Florida State fan base has been wanting to be a top-tier program again for a super long time. And maybe this is the year where they have a year that kind of puts them back on the map. Uh, I remember last year their quarterback was athletic as hell, but just because you have an athletic quarterback doesn't mean he has time to protect or he has time to throw or, you know, I don't know. It, it seems like they've always been having issues pop up. So maybe this is the year Florida State uh, really does um, – compete for an ACC title again because it feels like it's been a minute since they've done that. 
Yeah, and, you know, at the time that they faced them, when we're talking about ranked teams, that can be misleading, as we know. Marshall just made a good point about, you know, are these two, both these teams ranked what they're supposed to be ranked? You know, that's a people, right? We don't know. And that's another thing about college football. We don't get the real rankings till like, 10 games. I, mean, I know. That, that's been beautiful. That's another pro, and the pros are starting to outweigh the cons, is my point. But anyway, back to this. You know, 9-3 and three during the regular season, Florida State beat Oklahoma, which is no big deal, right? Um, last year, anyway, but he threw for 418. He had a game where he almost threw for, and I'm talking about Travis, almost threw for 400 yards, had a 321, had a three-something else. He's a damn good quarterback, and it does seem like their offensive line is getting better. Um, like you can't said, get worse. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, but they played three ranked teams, you know, at the time they played them ranked. Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, they lost all three of those games. Okay? So they didn't get – they were 10-3 and three last year, but they didn't beat a ranked team. Um, so that is still something to sit there and go, hmm, you know, uh, that's interesting. So how good of a year did they have? Uh, the tickets start as low as uh, 138, though. So, I mean, that's a hot ticket still. That's a very hot ticket. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. I'm with you, though. I just think that they're returning their quarterback, too. They have more talent. They have a better coach. And usually that second year in this scenario, you, you see a pop, and, and you kind of – Fair. The writing was on the wall down the stretch. Like I said, I know that they lost their last game, but they beat Bama in a game most people didn't think they'd win. And they just, I don't know, man. They, they just, I i don't really care about too many coaches off the field or in a press conference or whatever. I'll, I'll comment about it or whatever. Uh, I mean, I care about them, but I don't, I don't judge them as coaches based off something, right? Whether I like them or not, Kelly's a damn good guy. And his track record at Notre Dame for Notre Dame, if we're going to talk about Nebraska, when's the last time Notre Dame won a chip? You know, long yeah. time ago, 90. So for him to be at this program now at LSU, it's a big difference maker. So I got LSU as well. A um, couple other teams to talk about before we get out of here. Ukula, UCLA, kind of a sneaky game against Coastal Carolina, who is returning their quarterback. Um, Houston versus UTSA, and UTSA has been a damn fun uh, program offensively to watch. Um, Your basketball program, um, UNC, number 21 at this point, South Carolina, they're playing. That's a good game. Purdue-Fresno State is another really interesting game. That's kind of on my radar. You do have Deion Sanders and his son uh, making a debut against TCU. It's not the best uh, debut to, to make because um, you know what kind of season they had last year, and they got a they got one of the toughest schedules in the league too, or in the whole you know in the whole uh, country. And then here's one that just kind of kind of want to point out. So Iowa is favored by 25 points over Utah State. Now, we know Utah State isn't 
the same program they were in years past when they were pretty solid, right, Marshall? They were pretty solid. They weren't awesome or nothing like that, but it is one of those programs. I remember years ago, Wisconsin, Utah State played, and they were favored by like 20-something. I said, oh, no, Utah State will keep it around. Now, and they lost Utah State, but they I won the bet. Now, I know McNamara's there now, right? Was it Cade? Is it Cade McNamara? Yeah. Okay. Can that – we? It doesn't take much for the offense to improve, as we know, that we know they're going to have a top-tier defense that will probably score points along with the special team's punt return, right? We know that. They'll block some punts. They'll fucking be right in the game. But can in the first game, Marshall, can they win by 25 points? I don't know. I I can't. I can't. No, I can't bet. No, I can't. No, you, you with I just off a of principle. Do you got to pick that until they show us something else? Yeah, because if you remember the horror stories of last year of that Iowa offense, were I, I don't think there's a word in the English language that we could use that's not maybe like profanity based. Like the, the you cannot trust that team week one. No, you just can't. No, at all. I mean, I know they got an improvement quarterback. Golly. Yeah, but still, that they've been so – yeah, nope, not not happening. Uh, well, and here's another Big Ten ESPN article I saw, which I need to see this to believe it. But this was probably a week ago. It was front page ESPN, maybe front page ESPN. It's Penn State, football. isn't it? It's no, because I oh, – no, okay. I, I, if I don't have to talk about that scumbag coach, I'm not – I've never been a fan of Franklin. Moving on. Um they said that the Wisconsin Badgers will have an air raid this year. <laughs> I I gotta see it. This they said year? A, yeah, this yeah year? they said there's sure a change in the year? guard. I gotta <laughs> I gotta see <laughs> I gotta see the Badgers be a four wide, five wide. We're just gonna sling it, boys. I mean that that is, is not the running the, is the running back gonna play quarterback? I I I if if any time this year that call, that Wisconsin throws the ball forty times a game, I will be the first to admit, hey, I was wrong. But I got to see it to believe. For I believe the Badgers going to have an because they brought a new OC that the old Badgers will have an yeah, air raid offense. Yeah, they brought a whole new coach, which is a great hire, phenomenal sure. hire, no doubt about yeah. it. But yeah, right. year one is not going to click. I I, I guess I I want to see the air raid Badger offense. Let because hey, you want to talk about. Fan bases get greedy. You never hear Wisconsin fan bases bit too much, bitch too much because they're pretty much right. they won nine to ten games every single year. But they are true ground and pound. Yeah. About every other year, the running back of theirs goes NFL and has a good NFL career. So if you want to see the Badgers going for what, Chris, I can't wait to see it. Uh, but prove me wrong. That'll hey, be they'll have plenty of practice before the last week of the season of rivalry week, so we'll be playing them hot, I guess. I want to see if those country-fed <laughs> offensive linemen who are so damn big can pass block 40 times a game. I don't know about that. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. interesting. I'm with you. It is interesting. Air-rated um, Madison not happening yet. I got I to gotta see it. <laughs> so I think I'm looking at, as far as upset of the week, uh, I'm looking at UTSA. Um, like I said, that Coastal Carolina could be sneaky within that, I think it's nine or nine and a half. Washington, like, in the, if you look at the last 15, 20 years, Washington, Boise State on paper is like, hell yeah, this is a good matchup. 14 and a half, Washington's at home. Could that be close? We'll see. Boise State, 
hasn't fallen off all the way by any means, but they're not necessarily as good as they were a handful of years ago. Um, do you think South Carolina can keep that mojo going that they closed the year with and beat UNC? Because they're one of their top producing um, uh, wide receivers, or what, what they had, you know, I shouldn't say top producing, but he was a transfer, and they were he was going to be one of their top guys. He didn't get um, Devontae Walker. He did not get from Kent State transfer. Um, he had like 58 catches last year, a bunch of touchdowns. He's not – he did not get the immediate transfer waiver. So that's kind of interesting. They got a stud quarterback, but so does South Carolina. I think that thing's flying under the radar, my friend. That that is probably well, I, I can't I can't say that trumps Florida State uh, LSU, but that's easily like a top three game of the weekend. Put it right up there with that in Florida uh, Utah. That game should be fun as hell. And North Carolina, they always seem to start the year off hot with Mac Brown and his offense. And South Carolina last year did great with Rattlers. See, so yeah, I think that should be um, just as good a game to watch for anyone. Obviously, if you're Carolina. You've had a pretty handful of good years back, Brown, but nothing that really jumps off the map. And for South Carolina last year, that upset win you talked about over Tennessee uh, last year, they beat them down. Um, yeah, that game will be fun. I will take uh, Rattler and South Carolina just because I think that, again, they finished here on a better note, and they just seem to maybe start the years off better. Um, I will say, as I was doing some prep for the show along with you, um, SI.com, they did a top, the, the toughest 10 schedules in the country. And you can find those people that factor in like wins and losses and statistical anomalies and all like basic, all, all different types of computer math. But SI.com did a fun one of just simply said, we're going to look at how good was your opponent's record last year. And of the best win loss record of opponents last year to face this year, South Carolina actually has the toughest schedule in the country this year because last year the teams are playing went 103 and 53. Um, South Carolina opens with Carolina. They go to Georgia two weeks after this weekend. Then two weeks later they play Tennessee. And then they also have home games against Kentucky and Clemson to close out. So, yeah, their their opponent win percentage is 66%. There's another one, Clemson and South Carolina. There's another one. Yes, yeah, so, I mean if you're if you're looking for if you're a Gamecocks fan, you you kind of need this one because I mean shit, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Clemson, that those are five hard games right there, along with you know your regular SEC schedule. Do you have the rest schedule. of the list? Do you have the rest of the list off of the top ten for for the top tens? Yeah, uh, yeah. So South Carolina was number one. Uh, number two actually was Sparty. Uh, oh yeah, last year, have the team that Sparty's play were ninety six and fifty seven. Uh, Sparty gets Michigan and Penn State at home, but goes to Ohio State. And, uh, so that's also got to play the Gophers, so they're fucked. Very much so. Uh, and then number three, kind of quietly, you want to think about the West Virginia, third hardest schedule. Um, their hardest game is at Penn State. Um, they also go to TCU and Houston in consecutive weeks, and they finish later in the year with, uh, Oklahoma and UCF. Uh, in all the Mountaineers play 11 bowl teams and nine that were winners last fall. So shit, you play what? 12 games in college football, 11, 11 bowl, of those 12 bowl, bowl teams, uh, 11 bowl teams and nine that won their bowl game. Dang. So 
Okay, yeah, yeah that's the schedule. And I, I, I get, oh man, I, I, I almost forgot to hit my quota. Thank you for mentioning me about this, Chris. Number four is Ole Miss. Good old Lane oh, Kiffin. God. Todd, you know, I, I, I'm so happy my co-host mentioned this. Week one. Lane Kiffin is my guy. He, he, uh, is he's, they're my second favorite team in college football. They do have a tough schedule, Kiffin goes. Yeah, they're, they got the, their teams last year won 62%. Their hardest game is at Georgia. Um, Remember this too. We're going to hear about this all year. Why they're not having a good season? Well, they play the violin when he explains it. Their road trips are Bama and Georgia. Jesus Christ! And then they have what home the hell, games. Dude. They have home games with LSU and A and M. Uh, damn. I understand. I want. I would want Kiffin out of the SEC myself. So. And they also they also play the uh, AAC champions uh, Tulane. So that's a. Very hard schedule for such an immaculate great coach. All right, <laughs> and keep I'll, the list going. And number five, my, number five, my other team is Missouri. Jesus Christ, man, this, they're my third favorite. Uh, Missouri's got host LSU, go to Kentucky, host South Carolina, go to Georgia, host Tennessee, host Florida, go to Arkansas. Okay, Missouri's not going to a bowl game. I can't stand Drink, which I think he's an awful coach. They're, they're going to get massively exposed. So, Missouri, I'm going to call it right now. Missouri won't make a bowl game. Uh, that's my All right, bowl keep going because we still have to – let's tighten it up. We, get, we still All have right. the crafty, crappy pivot the week. Uh, Houston and Florida are both have the sixth toughest. They're combined equal. Uh, Iowa State has the seventh toughest schedule in the country. So, they must Plus have a little bit of a they got gambling issues. And, yeah. Ohio State's number eight. Uh, Ohio State – will face nine teams that had winning records last fall, and eight of them played in a bowl game. And number nine, K-State, who I don't, I don't care who their schedule is, they're going to win eight to nine games every single year. And number 10 is Kentucky, who has mentioned a couple of lists. So of course, Kentucky goes to Georgia, they host Tennessee, and they have Bama all in about a five-week span. So kind of a fun hey, top Minnesota 10. Minnesota didn't make the list. It gives me hope. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. So, yeah, it's just kind of a fun way to look at stuff. But the fact that two of the teams I cheer for in the top four there, that's not a good sign for my, my Missouri Tigers and Ole Miss Rebels. And I'm sure the Georgia Bulldogs will be there next year. Okay, so um, let's get to it. You, you start, oh, sir. You start. God. Give some right, so, talk about this. Build it up a little bit. So I think I think we started this segment. Maybe, we've been doing the show now. This is year 13. I think this segment started. I think our second year of this show where I think it's longer than that or shorter than that, but either way, we've second, been doing it for a while. It's been going on for a long time and it started as a joke, but they're like, Hey, let's, cause in college football, there's always like one game of the week where you're like, dude, these teams suck. Let's break it down. And it, it has caught on over the years. Yeah. You started, so, it. you started. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. You, so I, I, you brought it up. I remember that. I'll give you credit. And then, and then I was like, hey, why don't, why don't you pick these games? And so every week I'll pick a random game. And his nickname for me is the Crafty Vet. Cause I'm yeah, I've always called him the Crafty Vet. Yeah, so the Even crafty... when it comes down to Uber, and the Uber drivers ask me what my name is, and I'm like, Chris, <laughs> like, what do you mean? What's this say? Oh, Crafty Vet, okay. <laughs> so the, the, the name and just the history and the podcast. So basically every week we uh, pick a game that's a, a bad teams in theory on paper, and sometimes you have to get a little creative here, but, and then Chris will break down the game in a very fun way, and I'll, I'll chime in with my comments, and for the past 
three years specifically, we've hit at a 70% clip the last three years. So if you follow along in this ridiculous segment, if you bet every game for the past three years, you are at a 70% win clip, which, hey, in Vegas, if you can hit 60%, you're like an immaculate gambler. We're giving you, we're giving you mid seventies. Okay. So I'm just saying it as wacky as it is. The first couple weeks can be tough because it's not, it's non-conference. So there's a lot of mismatches that, you know, I noticed that the first couple of weeks are a little rough to find them. They are. So on this one, uh, we're actually going to go to, we're going to go to a Sunday game. So uh, a Sunday Ooh, game. Ooh, prime time. There's yep. many games on Sunday. Are you no. sure this is it? Oh boy. Yeah, well, it, it's the best yeah, one. It. It's the best this one I could find. We're, we're going to mention it. We're, we're going, we're going Big Ten. Uh, a Big yeah, Ten head I know we're going Big Ten. <laughs> uh, one of these schools doesn't have a current head coach. If they do, I'm not aware of it. It's due to some hazing issues. The other school, well, you know, they had their good run with a coach. That coach left. They brought the coach back, and they've still yet to have a good run. So we're talking about the Northwestern Wildcats hopping on a bus because they can't fly now. They've been banned from flying after the coach got fired. they got to go with team buses to save expenses. Um, they're going to Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, and the Northwestern Wildcats take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. There's supposed to be 73 degrees and sunny. This is an 11 a.m. CBS kickoff. CBS and the Big Ten, that's different. No, that's right. That's new this year. And Rutgers is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under 40-and-a-half. Take it away, my friend, the crap. If you think you're going to walk into Piscatawa, whatever, however, Piscatawa, if you think you're just going to head to Jersey, it's funny because every other temperature I've seen, including Minnesota, is like at least 80s, if not 90s. It says 73 here. At 11 a.m. too, during the day, kind of funny. Anyway, um, yeah, this this is a bad one. This is a bad one. Like you said, damn good coach. Um, in this day and age, uh, you know there are some things that you have to slow down on a little bit. You know what I mean? There are some things that you have to you have to uh, you know take get rid of. That's what you got to do. Let's be honest, right? And uh, the stories coming out of that on a multitude of things was pretty bad. But, you know, the guy's track record as a coach, you know, once again, I just got done saying earlier that I'm not going to, outside the stuff, I'm not going to, I'm not biased like that. You know what I mean? That dude was a damn good coach. And every about three or four years, he'd have that Northwestern team competing for a, a, going, a trip to the conference final. And they went there before, something that my guy P.J. Fleck hasn't done in it going into his seventh year. Now, they won one game last year, and you know who it was against? Nebraska, 31-28. to Yeah, they go figure on that one. But they started, you know, Ohio State, they played pretty tough. I'll give them credit. Penn State, they played pretty tough. I'll give them credit. How many people have left that program since uh, the shit went down? Do we have a number on that at all? Is uh, that let me out see. there? Let me see I if mean, I can find that while you're – all right, it is. It has to be pretty damn bad. Now, Rutgers, you turn right around, and uh, you know they got a pretty tough schedule themselves. They may have been able to get on that top ten list, but they, you know, they had a rough season. They only won three games. I do remember that Michigan game. Okay, I bring it up. You say, Chris, fifty-two to seventeen. What the hell are you talking? They were in that game for a little bit, actually. Uh, Michigan State, not good last year. They they hung around 27-21. Um, they even, oh, my God, they even lost to Nebraska by a point. Well, what the hell. Um, 
Boy, this is – you know what, though? I'm going with the, the Scarlet Knights. Like I said, going back to if you think you're going to walk in to New Jersey and get a dub, you're not – it's not going to happen. I bet you they also have a lot of Polish people in the crowd. I say that because New Jersey is huge for Polish folks. I know because of boxing, okay? This isn't any kind of ethnical background hacking or nothing like that. Uh, big time New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, and all that. Uh, do you have any uh, news for me on the, how many people left since uh, Northwestern? Uh, um, the only thing I got that must have been a pretty big story is because two of the websites covered it about how they're supposed to have a, a phenom stud linebacker come in and he'd mm-hmm. be committed from coming in to join the team after the news broke down. But I could not get an exact number. Uh, but losing the centerpiece of the defense, they say, is a big blow to the team. And that happened on July 17th. So no huge news in the last month, but clearly there's probably been some negative people, but he was the biggest one to jump ship. Vivid seats going for $31. So there, it's, still a, it's still a ticket there. If you think you're going to walk into Jersey in SHI Stadium without it with a dub with what just recently happened, I'm going with the upset, and it's not really a big upset, more than likely, but 48.4, according to ESPN Analytics. I'm go- what is this spread? Is there a spread on this freaking thing? Uh, six and a half. Okay, so it's not an upset. I take it back. I'm going Rutgers, Scarlet Knights, my friend. Okay. And I think as we've added Because of the last- engineering program they have, that's why I'm doing it. As we've had over the last, I believe, three years, I always do an alumni battle, so I just read alumni of both schools and pick which one I think is the favorite. For Northwestern, you have uh, Charles Heston, Cindy Crawford, um, Stephen Colbert, Megan Markle. Uh, so those are four people I pretty much, you know, they're pretty top-notch people. Julie Lewis-Dreyfus, obviously a great actress as well. So that's a pretty strong list for Northwestern. For the alumni of Rutgers University, um, that you have Carly Lloyd, who's a great soccer player, uh, David Stern. Uh, I know there's one the we can't mention anymore, though. Oh, uh, yeah. A certain uh, running back that we are not going to mention now. <laughs> that, that's that's very true. Um, Alexi Lawless. They actually, they have, they have some soccer pride games. James Gandolfini, who was the lead actor of Sopranos. There you go. Man, right. th- this is this is a pretty tough bat. I got, but you know, my my gut told me Rutgers got yeah, David Schwimmer from Frank. I'm going to slide with Rutgers, just a slide because I've always been a Megan Markle fan. Uh, so Megan Markle, Cindy Crawford get the job done. So I'm taking Northwestern alumni, and Chris is taking the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in football, and that is the week one crafty, crappy pick of the week. Again, we, we've been cashing it 70% last couple of years. No reason for that to change now, and that is just always a fun thing as year goes. And as year goes, eventually, you'll get some, like, over 0-6 versus a 1-5 squad. And to hear his breakdowns of that, it's epic, because it's really hard to find good stuff to say about teams who played 12 football games, only won one collectively. <laughs> But we find it. We find things to say. We do. So on that note. Even uh, if it's disrespectful. We, we have college football games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It's going to be a very fun year of college football. Again, this season, all this sport always delivers a great regular season no matter what. Now, if your team's win or lose, we can't control that. But we can control yeah. a fun podcast with lots of excitement. I'll have my random spur-of-the-moment questions. My co-host will regret why I'm his partner. Uh, but besides that, we look forward to uh, having you all listen. Um, we appreciate the support. 
We'll be back next Monday. Enjoy the enjoy the hot weather, but calm down a little bit. Get out, play some golf, and uh, football's coming right around the corner. Have a good night. Boys are out. Peace.